When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Performance Anxiety. This show features guitarist Nick Kazernis. His new album, The Distance, is a bit of a departure from the surf and rockabilly sound he's honed throughout his career. It's a study in sadness, but in a Graham Parsons meets Roy Orbison kind of way. He's joined by some great folks, too, like Mark Patterson of Sunvolt and Kate Wakefield of Lung. There's a lot more to this episode than just an album review. Nick also plays with Theremin, plays with the Mulchmen, Nikki K Orchestra, and more. And he's been mixing music genres for years. Check out his social media accounts for more info on all that. Pick up his album, The Distance, on Adam Records, on Bandcamp, or wherever you buy music these days. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Nick Kazernis. Hi, everyone. This is Nick Kazernis. My new record is called The Distance, and it's on Adam Records. You're listening to Performance Anxiety Podcast with Mark Shea. I, I nailed it. I, na- I, n- I never nail it. I, I, did. <laughs> I did it. I am, I'm not giving you anything else. I really appreciate you having me on. I think the show is great. Oh, thank you. And I was so thrilled. I have to say I was so thrilled to hear the David Schramm article or interview because I, you just, I don't hear much from him. And I've been a fan of his since I was on a compilation album with him in 1989. Oh, I was a wow. kid. And he, or it was an early Schramm song. I was so impressed and I've followed him for years. I finally met him a few years ago and scared him because I was like, I was like, uh, but he's friends with a couple of friends of mine. I mean, we're in Dayton. They were in Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Ron was in Columbus and stuff. So, um, but love, just love them so much. Love his guitar playing and his songwriting. I, you know, and I, I didn't know too much about him before, um, his PR folks reached out to me and like, Hey, you know, we'd, David's coming out with a new album, new, uh, new Shams mm-hmm. album. Uh, you want to, you want to have him on? I'm like, sure. I'll, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't, even if I'm not familiar with, with an artist or a musical genre. Yeah. I'll, I'll have you on. Cause I like to learn about new people. Yeah, and give it a try. Yeah. New music. So, um, I was like, yeah, sure. And then, you know, in studying, I realized I, I found out, you know, he was in Yola Tango and, yeah. um, some of his, and some of that Shram stuff is just brilliant. I mean, I, oh, I, know. I absolutely love it. I love, I love it. Love that stuff. So, so cool. How did you get into music? I mean, were you uh, playing as a kid? Did you have a musical family? How did you actually get started playing? Uh, so my mom is actually a music teacher and I started, uh, my sister was playing piano when we were kids and I just couldn't figure it out. 
<laughs> but, ev- <laughs> but eventually, and you know, junior high, I, um, you know, you got to try the guitar class. And so I okay. picked up the guitar. I had been listening to music for years. Yeah. You know, I, I had started probably with, you know, what was on the radio and classic rock and yeah. Pink Floyd was a big one, you know, and, and, um, love to listen to all the weird Pink Floyd. So I oh. was like, oh, this would be interesting to, yeah, like metal. to I try love the that guitar. Metal no, I love album. that record. That was at the top of my list. That's and echoes is just insane. Yes, absolutely. I was in a band that covered that. Wow! <laughs> so yeah, it was That's so crazy. much, so much fun. And we had a recording that we played in the middle that had the the, the type of bird sounds that David Gilmore did and all that. But it was, um, but I start I started and I just I never stopped. It was like within a year or so, I was in my first band. And, you know, by the time we were 15, we were playing in like the main club in Dayton, Canal Street Tavern. And we were playing with all the bands that came through. And there was a Jim Carter uh, was um, uh, a DJ and promoter. And he was bringing bands like Camper Van Beethoven and the True Believers, uh, you know. And so we were getting to play with these different bands. Um, and then he helped us put a record out. And so by the time we were seniors in high school, we had recorded a record and we got a lot of help from a lot of the friends that he had on the East coast, um, which included people like the Shrams and human switchboard and things like that. So we were, you know, senior year of high school, we went out to New York city and played CBGBs, you know, uh, and which, we, and, and, the, was this? and the middle East, it was a band called the obvious. So it was, um, I would say a very Ramones and replacements influenced uh, okay. punk rock and roll band. Um, it was with John Dubuck, who is this uh, fantastic uh, songwriter. He's really a very much of a actually John Prine oh, songwriter now. Yeah. Yeah. And he does um, some really great Prine covers. And, and he has a band now called the Guilty Pleasures. Oh, cool. So but back back then we were just young, you know, rock and roll band. Uh, awesome. And so I went through a series of bands. They were always different, <clears throat> different styles. Uh, shifting back and forth uh, from, you know, maybe what we would call, you know, college rock or indie rock to more progressive. And then finally uh, started even getting into playing um, surf instrumentals and spy themes and then rockabilly music. And and just really it's been um, just trying a lot of different things has probably been the consistent thing. And, you know, trying to do different things with records and, you know, playing and all of that. Yeah. So, That's my brief history, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so you're heavily influenced by classic rock and, and all. And one of the things that this show does, we, I kind of bounce around just because mm-hmm. I take notes from my research and it, not everything goes in chronological order. Sure. So no, I'm, that's fine. As yeah. I'm trying to look at my notes and, and, and all, I, I may go back and forth on a bunch of things. Just, just as a warning to you and, and, and listeners who may be listening for the first time. So this is not exactly a chronological show, but, um, so I heard, um, actually I saw a video of you in the mulch men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where did you start playing theremin? 
Oh, let's see. Let me think about that. So, you know, you mentioned classic rock as an influence. The, actually, the first music that influenced me was um, early country, Johnny Cash, Hank Williams, and then music like Dwayne Eddy. Ah, yeah. And so later I got it. I, I started hearing classic rock, which introduced me to this, like a lot of like the more progressive type of things that, that Pink Floyd did. And, you know, and Led Zeppelin, the door is just sort of like the mixing it up. But it was punk rock that actually that got me into being in a band. You know? right, I was right, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I got it. So later, after I'd been in a few bands, I I. I heard about the theremin. It wasn't actually from Led Zeppelin, believe it or not. I kind of missed that for some reason. <laughs> um, but but there were some. I heard just. I came across a couple of different performers that were using it, and I was just fascinated with it. Okay. And so I didn't know what to do with it until we. I formed this band, The Mulchman, which was this trio that uh, played, you know, surf instrumentals, and yeah. we wanted to do spy themes. And then we we also didn't want to just be traditional. We wanted to get, you know, because we all had the background in punk rock and all those things. Yeah. So we're like, yeah, let's see how we can mix it up. And so we brought in the theremin. We did a Link Ray cover with theremin, and people responded to it really well. So I ended up writing a couple other songs that had that were more like horror theme and kind of things like that. And as a result, went back into the history of the theremin and um, just to kind of learn, I mean, it's really hard to play. I'll tell you that. I so, wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've learned some things, but I do find it's a real challenge to keep it consistent. And so what I try to do is I try to have a lot of fun with it. Okay. And, and, uh, and that's uh, worked really well in the, like the sort of the rock rock band setting, you know, I do use it on recordings and it's a little more controlled and yeah. mysterious. And then live, as you've seen, if you yeah, you saw the video, so yeah. it's, 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 it gets a little wilder and, <laughs> you know, and I think. People get a kick out of it. It's a, you know, you don't know quite what's going to happen sometimes with it. So, <laughs> so, so it's kind of, it's fun. A little bit of a surprise for you and the audience at that point. Yeah. 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 It's been really great. And I've used it a lot for the past few years and I didn't on this new record, but I, I, um, but it's funny. It just shows up in all sorts of places. <laughs> I was watching that video of you with the Mulchman um, on the, the Link Ray cover. It, was it, was it Rumble 3000 or? or? Yeah, we call we called it Rumble 3000. That, so yeah, yeah. That yep. was so cool. The way thank you, we, thanks. You're playing it, and then you go back to playing the, the the guitar, and then you incorporate the two at the same time, and it was just insane. I absolutely love oh, it. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, we had a lot a lot of fun with that. And what's uh, really fun is that the other guys in the band will play off that as well. Um, and you know, we'll we'll um, yeah, we'll mix it up. I mean, and it's it's fun to do. So thank you, I appreciate that. Oh gosh. Uh, it's so cool. And I'm going to tell everybody to go check it out. Check out the Mulchman. Uh, it's, I think it's the Mulchman at the drive-in is what the video is yeah. titled. Yep. Yep. And there's a few, if you search my name, Nick Kazernis, or you search the Mulchman, I think there's like three clips of us playing, um, the, that, that song. So you, and you, and they're literally all a little bit different. And then the first Mulchman record, it's called Louder Than Dirt, Thicker Than Mud. Yes. And that one's that one is still out there and uh, available. Um, actually, we're working on trying to get it on Bandcamp right now. Oh, cool. And that that has the studio version of it as well. And that was that was fun. Oh, that's those cool. are yeah, definitely really fun.
after the mulch men, um, you end up playing with, well, you end up, and I don't know if this is after, I guess maybe everything's congru- congruous. I don't know. Everything's <laughs> happening at the same time. You got the mulch men, um, Tobin Sprouts, Eisenweasel. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing yeah. that correctly. That was right, yeah. Um, Eisenweasel. Nikki Kay's orchestra, uh, Cage. So you've been doing all kinds of, of music. You, you've got, because I, I was listening to some of the uh, orchestra stuff, Nikki Kay orchestra, and that's really cool. That's like really super okay. exotic surf music. It's, it's really wild yep. stuff. That was actually the um, so the Mulchman was earlier, okay. and I, I had started writing some uh, more instrumentals and wanted to record them. And so, bro- instead of having a trio like the Mulchman, it was a seven-piece band, right? Wow. And uh, it was um, Jim McPherson from the Breeders was in it, and he oh. and I had pl- yeah he and I had played together um, before he had joined the Breeders years before. And so we got together and worked on this whole thing. And uh, it was really fun to have, you know, two keyboard players, two guitar players. We had a a violin player and play these things that weren't really surf music. They were like a mixture of exotica and spy and and surf. Yeah. So and it's it's sort of um, it's like everything I've kind of done has just been trying different things and evolving and bringing in different people and trying to collaborate whenever those ideas come up. And that's been, that's been how it's always been, even up until the new album, it was like that as well. So. And so there's a gap between your last album and then the new album, the distance. It was about like a five year gap. (laughs) Yes, there was. (laughs) So um, around the time I did the record, um, the uh, orchestra record, um, I started playing with uh, Paige Beller, and Paige is a songwriter here in Dayton, Ohio. Who's, she's an f- amazing songwriter um, and writes these like very um, sad songs that are just really gripping. Okay. And so she started sharing them with me, and um, I had the opportunity to play guitar with her uh, and record some of those songs that came out longer uh, later. And working with her... You know, I, since I had been inspired, you know, like playing instrumentals for a little while, um, working with her actually really inspired me to, to kind of try at my hand in writing songs, which I hadn't done in years. Okay. Like going back to when I played in Cage and when I played with Tobin. Tobin. Um, and so I, the reason five years <laughs> um, is partially because I was playing with Paige, but then also I just focused on, on that. And it... Oh. Um, it was a long process to actually write it and then record it with everybody because there were different people who were, you know, were working with me on it. And so, okay. yeah, I mean, it was worth it. I just decided it was time to kind of, let's just work on this and however long it takes, that's what it's going to take. Now, when you so. started writing it, you hadn't put together the, the band that was going to end up playing this, had you? Uh, were you writing for more for yourself or? So... I started writing for myself and I had a, a number of ideas that I was really excited about, okay. but the songs, like I couldn't finish them. And, and the reason that was, I, I realized uh, I couldn't finish them because I was writing them for my voice. I was so used to just playing guitar and singing for so many years and it was really limiting these okay. songs. Like it was, just wasn't working. Uh-huh. And so I thought, well, well, what if I didn't even, what if I was just someone's songwriter? 
what if, you know, what if I just wrote these songs and then we figure out what to do with the songs as opposed to insisting that they're just me. Right. Right, right, right. So, So therefore it didn't matter. It wasn't me playing guitar. It wasn't me singing. It wasn't, you know, me doing anything. And that really opened the whole thing up. Um, and right after that, things started clicking. Like, you know, I started working with people suddenly. And I think it's because I just opened myself up to doing that. And I was so used to being, I'm going to be in control of everything. I'm going to yeah. play everything. <laughs> right. So, um, and that, that was a big change and it, it, it went well, I think, you know, so. And so the band that's on the album is, uh, all right. So we've got Mark Patterson, who's played with Sunvolt, uh, Robert mm-hmm. O'Keen, Billy Joe Shaver. Uh, mm-hmm. Kate Wakefield, who is uh, from Cincinnati, plays in a in a really interesting band that I, f- I found out called Lung. It's just her on cello and a drummer. Yes, and she's singing. So who else is on the album? So uh, Todd Widener, who's from Shrug. So he's also from Dayton, but okay. out in California now. So he's a fantastic songwriter and guitar player. Crazy Joe Trichler, uh, who is a uh, rockabilly guitar Anybody player. Crazy has, Joe is awesome. Yeah. He has played, uh, toured across the country and in Europe with uh, a lot of like the older rockabilly guys, um, okay. you know, backing up like the Collins kids and then newer people like Deke Dickerson and oh, people like Deke. that. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, he was Deke's guitar player for a while. That's awesome. And then um, uh, Patrick Himes, who is another Daytonian who uh, ran a studio in Nashville um, called Real Love Recording Studios. And he moved that back to Dayton. And then we decided to to get together and record. So he had a lot of experience working with songwriters in Nashville. Um, Mark had years and years of experience working with um, songwriters in Austin. And so he was able to help help with arrangements and and kind of coaching me on that. Um, Kate is a not only uh, amazing singer, but a fantastic cello player and a tremendous songwriter. Uh, and, and of course, Patrick is a, is a great player. He's a, he played bass and keyboards on the record and both Todd and Joe are just um, amazing. And they brought an entirely different perspective. You know, I would demo the songs and then they would just use that as kind of their reference point and they would come in and, and, and do what they thought. And we just kind of, we really opened it up to like the way it worked is, um, Mark and I would arrange the songs. So Mark would help me improve and tighten the arrangements and make them, you know, just bring a lot of things that, you know, uh, was learning. It was a learning process for me. Um, Todd and Joe would bring in these new textures, right? Patrick would not only keep an eye on the recording, right? But he would also, um, you know, he would play bass and he would add these new keyboard textures that we weren't thinking at all. Um, and then Kate came in and sang and played cello and just really kind of took these songs to a whole other level that were, I would say it was well beyond what I was thinking when wow. we, had, when we brought them into the studio, it really transformed them. And I think made a, just a, a huge difference on the album. Not everybody knew each other at this point, right? You're just picking, are you just picking people to, to work with? Like, <clears throat> and are you file sharing? Cause, um, uh, so it looks like Mark is in Austin, yeah. uh, you, you know, Kate's in Cincinnati, other people. Yeah. Are else. It, it, how did you get everybody together? And, and was it all recorded together in the studio or was it just oh, okay. together? Yeah, good, good question. So the way that it would work is that I would do demos at home and, um, we would share the, share the demos because what was happening, we essentially recorded every, say, let's just say three months, every three months we'd record. Okay. And because what was happening is Mark was touring 
and Kate was touring. Kate's on the road for most of the year. Okay. Um, and so uh, Mark was on the road more and more and more with Sunvolt. Yeah. So what we would do is Mark and I would get together, usually with Todd or Joe, um, and we would record the backing tracks, and then we would book a session for Kate. And sometimes that would be the next day, and sometimes that would be the next month. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. And, and then we'd have a follow-up session to do bass and keyboard. So it... You know, would have loved to have done it live in the studio, but um, that wasn't possible. And this worked well. And I, a lot of it, I would have to say, is the the just the amazing talent of everyone who played on the record. And the, I, I would say, especially Mark, because he just was so good at capturing the right feel. And it just comes through on the recordings and it helped everybody do a great performance. So, it, it, I mean, it's amazing because it sounds like everybody's together playing in the studio, yeah. like it's like a standard well, session. Yeah. And that, a lot of that, I, I mean, we would also have to give credit to Patrick. Um, Patrick Himes is a tremendous uh, producer and engineer, and he just does such a great job of capturing the room and the vibe yeah. that when we ended up doing the overdubs and all those things, everything just kind of fit in really easily. And the, and the mixes, and obviously like, I'm not going to say, you know, like, Oh, it, it was easy to mix, <laughs> but it was like, but everything was, it, it was laid out really well. And he has such a talent for doing that. And with this album, this is, you'd mentioned this is one of the first times you had other people collaborating with you on the songwriting process. So yeah. did, did many of the songs change a lot throughout that process with people adding things? Um, were there, were there uh, songs that just completely changed from what you thought they would, were going to be to what they ended up being? So yes. Um, although I would do pretty, I, so I guess I would do pretty tight demos, Okay, but then when I would work with Mark, he would just develop the arrangements so much, right? So like you hear some of the songs, there's a song on there called Slipping Away mm -hmm. that has these tags at the end. And that was all Mark. Because when I had the song, we decided, what if we approach this like a Roy Orbison song? Ah. And, you know, and we did that again. We did a Lucinda Williams cover, but we didn't. We played it um, called Am I Too Blue? But we played it like we were playing In Dreams by Roy Orbison. Ah. And Mar Mark drove a lot of those ideas and approaches to how we did it. So that would start to change the song. And then we'd go in with the demos and the guitar parts and my scratch vocals. And Todd and later Joe, because he came in later, they would play and they would introduce all new parts and they would just develop the song so much more. So then <laughs> you'd have Patrick, who's going to play like, you know, a, a really great tasteful bass line and these keyboard parts that he would sprinkle in that would add new textures to it that weren't in the songs. Okay. And then finally Kate would come in and just, it would just develop all of the melody lines. They would just become so much more than they were. Yeah. And all of the backing vocals would just, you know, create, uh, you know, both the sort of like dynamic in the song, but also these textures, right? She also came in and played cello 
And there's a number of songs where then that adds this level of intensity to the song. It's, it's kind of the, the approach we were taking. Okay. So there's places where you have Hammond B3 organ and organ and uh, cello pushing against each other, like, you know, like up against the lead guitar lines that Joe would play. And that was the sort of thing I, I really enjoyed doing. And, and I think to your question, that's how that's the sort of development that happened. Okay. Like the songs just evolved, you know, and to me that it felt like we were putting in months and months on the songs because everybody was bringing so much into them. And that was, I mean, that was amazing. It was so, an amazing experience. So they didn't really change so much as grow and evolve then. Yeah, I think so because we wouldn't necessarily like move a chorus, right? right? Like Mark and I would really sit down and really focus and make sure it was good. But having Mark there, meant that the the arrangements of the songs would mature right yeah. like sometimes you get like i've gone in the studio and afterwards i'm like oh we could have done this we could have done that maybe yeah. we should re-record it in this case we did a lot of that work and that would basically be him coming in from a tour getting together with me and then heading out you know and right. you know and we did the same thing with kate and we caught everyone else where they, we could and uh, you know, just ran in there and everyone was just so great about it. It was, you know, like I said, it was an amazing experience. I'm so, I'm really just so grateful for it. Well, you mentioned some of your earlier bands, you know, doing a lot of punk and, and surf and, and alternative sounding music. But this album doesn't sound anything like that, except for, <laughs> except for maybe one or two little tracks where I can hear a little bit of the influence. But uh, you, you mentioned your, your quote here. You said Grant Parsons and Roy Orbison are both strong influences. And they had such a powerful way of conveying sadness in their songs. Um, and you wanted to not copy, but honor them. This album, it's, it's a completely different step from what you're doing. So was it that you wanted to explore sadness or did, did something, <laughs> it, it's a more, it's a mature sounding album. It's not a punk album or a surf album. It, it's, I mean, it, it's a grown up mature album. <laughs> was that in, well, thank you <laughs> was that an intentional shift or is that just uh, an ex, you know your songwriting changing over the years well um i mean it definitely was the songwriting changing but it was a it, it was an intentional challenge for okay. me to say okay i've written like this thing and this thing I really would like to push myself. I would like to write something more. And what does that make me think of? Like, what do, what do I aspire to? Right. Okay. And so I started thinking about people like, um, Graham Parsons and Roy Orbison, but also like people like Nico case, you know, okay. um, and, and people who kind of like really explored, um, sadness was a big one. I was like, I just landed on that theme. <laughs> Probably. I think maybe I had some lyrics, that, that sort of suggested that. And then, you know, you think of Graham Parsons and you think of Roy and, you know, and then some of the thing, like things that Nico Case and other you know, songwriters explore. And so at some point you just decide to kind of go in a direction and it turned out to be a good direction to go in. Right. Because they <laughs> turned, as I got into it more, I also worked on not just being, well, I kind of felt before, which was just like, I'll just sing it from the gut and just like, blah, whatever it is. I was like, let me really spend some time and work on this because I'm, I'm not in a band setting. I don't have like a deadline. Yeah. I'm just, I have a challenge. I've been in, you know, like I said, I was inspired by what um, Paige was working on. And then shortly after that, I met Mark and, you know, you know, and he started telling me about his experiences in Austin. It was just fascinating. Right. So, yeah. so those sort of things became the, the fuel. And uh, it was just like, I think the biggest thing was just challenging myself to do something. Okay. You know, like don't, you know, don't just do what you're doing, do something different, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. 
explore, change, grow. Explore and, it. Yeah. Yeah. See where you go. Maybe you end up in a good spot. Yeah. So. Well, to me, you did because I, I absolutely love the album. And thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate may- that. I'm, I'm happy with how I'm really happy with how it turned out. I'm really glad that um, I pushed myself to do it. And I'm just really glad that I got to, to work with everybody and that they were so generous, you know, oh, such a cool so amazing group of people you worked with, too. I mean, I, I've, and I, I try to get familiar with some of their work uh, and uh, especially Kate. I mean, Lung mm-hmm. is just interesting. It's 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 they're a crazy duo. Yeah, they, they're a fantastic band. They've got great songs. They have an amazing live show. It's yeah. incredible. That's, I saw um, a few live clips, yeah. She also um, writes uh, and releases records on her own as well. So she's got a, a, oh, cool. a several records on Bandcamp that are fantastic, and they are very different uh, than Lung. So, oh, cool. Um, they're more, a little more atmospheric, a little more pop. There's really great songs and uh, and then long is more rocking and yeah. darker yeah yeah which you don't think yeah. of when you hear cello and drums but it really not until is. you hear that yeah not until you hear <laughs> that <laughs> now you mentioned uh listen to williams cover that you did am i too blue you also do mm-hmm. uh tom waits's uh take it with me and and i, I want to let you know right now my wife absolutely loves your listen to williams cover that's that's <laughs> one of her Great. favorite that's tracks awesome. yeah it's one of her favorite tracks on the album she absolutely loves oh, it thanks so. Um, That's cool. That's really cool. How did you choose those two songs? Is, is there any a reason behind it? <laughs> So Mark and I, uh, it's funny you ask this because I was just thinking about this, is is, um, Mark and I just had this idea that it might be cool to have an album or to have a cover on the album. Mm -hmm. And uh, it had been suggested also by Scott Kinison, uh, um, who um, runs Adam Records, who has been putting out records for me for, you know, uh, many years now. And, um, you know, he just, he threw it out there just for me to think about. And then I tossed the idea to Mark and he was like, you know, if we found something that really fit and also it has to be you know thematically would fit and then also has to be something that we can do something with you know and so we went through and i can't remember what they were we went through at least a dozen songs oh wow and 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 mark was like no 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 this is not (laughs) this isn't gonna work you know um and and we just and finally we came across you know each one those two were separate but um when we hit them all of a sudden we you know we got the lucinda song it was like oh what if we did this like Roy Orbison, yeah. right? And it wouldn't be like her at all. And he was going to play a show with her. He was on the same bill with her, like, oh, wow. you know, and it, it, like a couple months later or whatever. Wow. And and then a little bit later, I I just started thinking it would be interesting to see. Like I thought about a lot of those Tom Waits ballads from all the years, right? Yeah. And how he always had this interesting, you know, rhythm and sense. And a friend of mine does a number of Tom White songs and she's just, you know, does a great versions of them. And so I, I came across that one. I didn't, I didn't even really until I, I stumbled across it accidentally. Oh, wow. And I thought it was, it was a good, like sort of um, breath, like, ta- you know, like taking a breath. Yeah. Um, whereas the Lucinda Williams fits more tightly in the theme. This other one, we put it at the end of the album because it's just kind of like a breath. It's still, it's sad, but it, it's more, it's melancholy. Yeah. And um, yeah. And of course his version is all really rough. You know, the rhythm oh, God, is really yeah. rough and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and I thought if we kind of don't do too much to this, 
because a couple other people have covered it and it was very clean and sounded very pretty. I'm like, I don't want to do that. So we'll keep the arrangement sort of low key and there's yeah. pump organ and guitars on it. You know? okay. But we resisted the idea of, of like being too elaborate with it and just kind of let it be simple, you know? Yeah. Well, it, so, I'm so glad we did it. That was new for me too. That was really new for me to do something like that. Yeah. If you, if you made it too elaborate, it wouldn't have really fit with the, uh, the sound of the album either. So it's right. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah. Really, <laughs> I, I think you did a, a wonderful version of it. It, it you know, incredibly tasteful and incredibly fitting for the album. And, and it's a great way to close it. It really, it really is. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. I really appreciate that. So how, how hard is it to, to sequence an album like that then? If, if you know, the, the, <laughs> the theme is, is kind of exploring sadness and in, in, in a sense, is it difficult mm-hmm. to, to sequence it? So it's not a, a complete bummer. Right. <laughs> um, so, it, yes, it is. So that, um, now I love sequencing. I love it. I try to do it for my friends' records. Some of them <laughs> take me up on it. Some of them don't. <laughs> I, I give them the sequences and then they're like, yes. Or some of them just like, yeah, no, no way. Thanks for trying. No, but right. But it gives them, I, I hope it at least gives them something to think about, you know? So the, um, but I really like sequencing. And so I did so many sequences for this record and just kept playing with it and playing with it, playing with it. Kind of the, I mean, thinking, I think really what you were saying, it's like, how do you get it to flow? Yeah. So, and the thing is that I'll, I'll just say, and people can disagree with it when they hear it is that it's a 55 minute album yeah. and I don't think it feels like it when you listen to it. And I, I knew I had the right sequence when it like, I didn't feel like I was getting jammed up with anything that was too much of a, like a, you know, a downer or, or in a certain way. Cause obviously yeah. there's some similar things in the songs, but, or sound wise, right. All of those things that go into it. Um, yeah. it's really fun. It was really fun to sequence. It got me out of my head for a little bit about the songs, but it was, uh, but I think it turns out that it doesn't feel like a really long album. No, it doesn't. It, not at all. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it, it flows perfectly. I was, I was listening to it again last night and uh, my wife was watching TV and I had the headphones on. And I'm writing notes down and listening to it. And, and next thing I know, it's, it, it's, it's coming to, towards the end. And my wife, whatever show she was watching, I was some real housewives or blow <laughs> deck thing she was watching. <laughs> it, had, yeah. it was wrapping up. I'm like, Wow, oh, man, this is this just flew by. This is great. Where'd the time go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you do have songs that kind of break it up, like uh, "Trail of Tears." It's mm-hmm. a great track. I hear a little bit of maybe the uh, Mulchman surf influence in that out in that song. Was that uh, intentional because of, of writing so many songs that, that were a little slower, a little sad thematically? Or was it just you've been writing surf music for, you know, how long now? You, you, it's, it's hard not to. <laughs> You know, it's, it's funny because there are nor, there are those things that pop out there, you know, they, yeah. they do because like, they're just your little, you know, 
um, they're just part of you. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, and I can go back and hear songs like old songs of mine. I'm like, Oh, wow. You know, you can tell it's me, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's funny cause we have that song and we had, um, uh, the other one, um, fading away, which comes right after it. Yeah. And those were two like more rootsy songs and they're more punchy songs. And we put those at the end of the record because we wanted the album to have kind of like a little up, upswing right like before the end so yeah. you kind of had a big wrap-up feeling okay uh, and then and then the tom waits one is a is the you know actual like coda or whatever um but it, it, one thing i made sure of when i was doing it is like i was concerned that it might sound too surfy so i was like okay there's no way i'm playing any guitar on it like i'm you know i'm not gonna play it todd's gonna play it let's, <laughs> let, let's see let's see what his take is on it yeah. because it'll be different and he kind of took it slightly different i think if i had played the guitar on that song and i play guitar on some of the songs but um that it might have sounded more surfy so but yeah the vibe though is still going to kind of come through the the surf rockabilly vibe yeah, yeah that, i love it. and then so some of this uh, all right so i'm gonna tell you some of my favorite i mean the beginning actually that song played at the beginning sets a great tone yeah. and you know co coincidentally the beginning is the first track but it, it's one of the best tracks on the album and it sets a fantastic tone it's I, I i love it um after you're gone in fact the solo at the end that guitar piece at the, at the end is mm -hmm. i love that the the tone on your on the guitar is is fantastic So that's Todd that's playing um, the lead on, on that song, which is actually going to be our next video. Oh, cool. Actually, since you mentioned it. So. <laughs> uh, but um, and he plays on that. And then there's a layer of uh, Kate plays cello right under that yes. to sort of like lift that guitar solo up. And the um, I remember when we came up with that whole like chord sequence and all of that, I thought it was almost this like little slightly spaghetti westernish type of thing that we had that. put into this this uh, song. And I was like, what? And, and there was a lot of that on the record, like even the uh, Trail of Tears was one of those things where we said, as I was writing, I didn't shy away from going there okay because it was like well what will happen yeah <laughs> what would happen if we went there right and so that was one of those cases where we did it and i thank you for saying that because i was you know really happy with what todd put together on that oh, song it has blistering guitar through the whole thing and then that last solo um and they, um brendan berry that did our video for that put together some nice sequence of images that fit into his playing really well okay. so it's like stuff like that it's like it opens up opportunities that you wouldn't get I've, I've never, I mean, I guess it's so funny because for years I've just kept such tight control of what I'm doing. But what I really like is just being the ringleader. Oh, see, there you <laughs> go. This helps you know, been the, great for you. I'm the facilitator. Yeah. It's been a, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I've learned a lot about like, you know, like how I can work with people and what we can do together and like what I can bring to the table, yeah. you know? So it's like, and it all started with me saying, you know, I don't sing that well. And I'm not saying I can't sing. I'm just saying. I, I'm, it's like I, I feel limited or I feel limited in this context. What happens if I let go? And that just led to a whole, you know, like everything that happened. Um, just to let you know the beginning, which is the beginning of the album, that was the first song we recorded. Oh, my gosh. And, and we did that essentially to see if the whole project 
what would how could we do this that was the that was it was basically the prototype and we recorded wow. it and i was so happy with what mark did and i was so surprised by what todd did because it was very different than what i brought he did these steel guitar type of things on the record yeah and then and then patrick added these um uh you know hammond b3 on it and that wasn't expected either but I was not prepared for what Kate was going to do. I mean, I, it was like, it just, I mean, it went so far beyond what I was thinking. Uh, and that when we did it, I knew all of those other songs. I knew we could do all of the other songs. I knew it was going to happen. And it was just a matter of getting it together and planning it. So yeah, that was a great moment. It, yeah. And it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful beginning to the album. Um, and like I mentioned before, you know, the album's great. It's a mature album. It's uh it's something I can put on the car when the when I've got the kids on. I my, my kids are teenagers still right now, but yeah, mine too. I, I don't <laughs> want to play them, you know. I don't know, Rage Against the Machine or or, or Tool, you know. I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to put on things with questionable lyrics and and yeah. maybe something that's that's a little heavier than 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 I'm comfortable, you know, playing for them. So this is a great. I mean, I, and it's great. I can put it on for my dad. And you know he he, he loves it, so it's uh, yeah, it's a very Good for kids and dads. It is. It's great. It's, and grandpas. It's great. <laughs> it's a good grandpa and kid album. It's it's yeah. actually it's a great all around. It's a wonderful album for anybody. You don't have to worry about playing it for people. I guess it's the, the best because you put on, a lot of a lot of people I'll have on this show. You know, you, you I kind of I've got to be careful. I've got to, oh, is this person gonna like this? Uh, it, you know, if I play this for somebody, I don't know, lyrically, musically, it might not be the shot. This, The Distance is an album that I can honestly put on for anybody. Well, oh, uh, hey, and I think anybody and everybody should hear it, right? I think, I think everybody should the, um, buy it. I do. Yes, me too. Me too. <laughs> but I, I do. I have had many people tell me that it was, um, you know a sad album for them to listen to. And it's like, I mean, that's, that's the prevailing theme on it. And, uh, and it was really interesting to explore that yeah. and to like, just go there and just try to, you know, like figure out how to communicate some of that stuff. And, and I got, I've gotten a lot of good responses to it. And that's a, that's a great feeling. So I appreciate you saying that. I really do. So. See, now the album artwork, it's so beautiful. How did, how did you, um, <laughs> decide on what what to do with the artwork who did who did it um okay i, I can tell you so um rachel my friend rachel bodding she's a designer and artist here in dayton ohio okay. uh, i've known her for years she does beautiful work um and uh i went to her and i gave her the album okay that that was it i that's gave her it. no direction whatsoever Wow. And that's what she came back with was the red mist and the fly and, the, and the, the drying, deteriorating flowers and the, the overwhelming red. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's what she, she came back with. So that was her vision for it. And uh, I was just so blown away. So she did posters. She did, um, the, you know, the album cover. I wish we could have done an LP after I saw the artwork, right? yeah, no kidding. You know, but it's just not, it's, it's not going to happen. No, right no. But, <laughs> but she, but she, uh, Rachel is just, she's a tremendous artist and tremendous designer. Uh, and I, so I was just thrilled. Um, yeah. and I'm really happy with how it turned out. She, she spent so much time on it to make sure it, it turned out right. It's absolutely beautiful. So. It's stunning artwork. I, I, I absolutely love it. And it does, it, you know, it ties into the feeling of the album. So it, 
Yeah. Yeah, and, and that was kind of the question. I, w- I was wondering if that was intentional or if it was a piece that you had found. So No, no, it was intentional from her perspective. It was her take on the entire album. So I know she listened to it a bunch of times and then she started going to work and brought it back. And I was like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I just knew it. I saw it and I'm like, I knew it. See, that's so, great because a lot of times, you know, and I'm sure you, you've had experience with this where you'll get a design back and like, close, but I'm looking for more of this, you know, this or that and right. to, to get somebody nail it immediately. It, it, that's, that's unusual. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was just like, she had it all the way. So the only thing we worried about was like the liner notes or whatever, you know, <laughs> getting those right. But like in terms of the overall layout and the, you know, like what was happening on there. Yeah. She, she just nailed it. That's so amazing. It was cool. So now this the coronavirus has really screwed with a lot of people, a lot of touring, a lot of record releases and stuff like that. Um, has that messed up? Anything for you? Have you, do you and now? I mean, were you planning on planning on playing live a lot and uh, to support the album, or uh, has it changed what you've had to do to support the album? Um, let's see. So we have actually been moving at a pretty slow pace, just just out of necessity. Yeah. Um, part of that is my job and family. So I had um, a couple of shows um, planned, and those fell through. Um, but I'm not hitting the road, so I didn't get into that. So for, um, Mark Patterson and, you know, Kate Wakefield, they both tour all the time. So they were definitely affected. So, uh, but for, um, and, uh, and Joe and Todd, um, you know, Patrick tours a little bit, Joe and Todd aren't, aren't doing that right now, but they do play, right? So they were affected. So the, the, we did a release show. And we also have been working, you know, to promote the record. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably the challenge we have right now is as we're promoting the record, our magazines, are they doing reviews? Um, are, are, are there writers still employed? Are, yeah. you know, are they going to press and things like that? And we're just kind of finding our way and trying to make sure that we're not like, I don't know. No, I don't know. Setting expectations incorrectly or, you know, we're just trying to do the best we can. Yeah. Um, and I would say in general, like, I, I, you know, I'll play, sh- we'll play it sometime, yeah. you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, I, I, I'm not on the road anymore, you know, these days. And, um, I just, I, I really look at opportunities that come up, right. It's yeah. like if shows come up or, you know, the opportunity to go somewhere, like I, I just kind of go with what makes sense. So we're, we're doing okay. As far as that goes, I have a lot of friends who are hit really hard with this. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I, I don't know. I mean, they're all coming up with different ideas and things they can do. Yeah. But it's, um, I've seen know, a lot of live is, streaming and stuff like that happening. Yeah, yeah. So. A lot of live streaming. So, so, uh, and, uh, and putting out songs, you know, and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people, uh, uh putting, I guess, I guess it would be early versions of songs or, or stripped down versions of songs online, writing, doing, you know, Kind of almost like what you what you did with this album, challenging yourself, and but the challenge is like write a song every day, and uh, you know until yeah. they're out of quarantine yeah. or whatever it is. So, so it, it's really changed a lot of people's plans. So yeah. it's uh, I'm I'm glad it's not it's not you know really impacting you in a way that that you can't recover from because I, I know it's doing that to a lot of people. 
Yeah. And that's because, I mean, I don't depend on the traveling, you know, I mean, right now that's like something that, you know, so that's, I mean, I guess I'm lucky there. Is it going to slow us down getting the word out about the record? Probably. Yeah. Cause there's so much more to worry about now, yeah. you know, that is more important and you almost feel like, Oh, should I really be pushing this? But then again, I want everybody, all the people I know that are playing, you know, I want them to be pushing their stuff and letting people yeah. know. I mean, and, and we also, you know, we want to be able to move forward too. I guess if I hadn't just done the record, maybe I would be doing a song a day or something like that too. <laughs> but, but, but I just, but this, you know, like I, I'm happy to still, you know, we'll share some of the live videos and, and things like that and let people know about it and, and all that. And I'm trying to also get the word out about other groups I know about and things like that too. Well, I think it's, it's actually a great time to be putting music out because like for me, for instance, I was in quarantine for two weeks and then in the middle of that, my job decided, well, we're going to split it. We're going to split our employment in half. Half the staff is going in for two weeks. Then the other half will go in the two weeks following and we'll just rotate. So I've had three weeks of being at my house, not being able to go mm -hmm. out and doing anything. So listening to new music is is one of the few things I can do at the house and not have and to then wait. I sent you, yeah. And then I sent you the record. So yeah. it's perfect timing. It was, it was great. So I, I, I think maybe this is just a great time to be releasing. Yeah. yeah. It's helping relieve some stress for people stuck oh, at their houses. Well, I think that's a good, really good point right there. It is a, it is a stress release, you know, it's like being creative and communicating with people. It's important. Yeah. So, and we all have to figure out the right way to do it. You know? Yep. I mean, I'm really lucky. I'm, you know, I have my job and I'm working, and, um, and I'm at home and I was, you know, it's like, so, um, we just do the best we can to kind of figure out how to take care of ourselves and take care of each other. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So how did you choose the name, the distance for the album? So the distance was the, the, it was the name of a song on the record, right? So okay. it was just the idea that that was the only thing left between people when their relationship fell apart. Yeah. Um, and when I was choosing the names of the record, like I just had this kind of thing where I was just thinking it should be the name of a song. Okay. Right. Like it should be the name. Like I couldn't think of it like popping out at a, like a sort of a, an umbrella title, you know, I mean, it was like, it just wasn't working. Like I was trying things and just didn't sound good. So I went through, I, I, I was doing my playlist in iTunes and I would title it and I would be like, the record's called the beginning. Yeah. The record's called after you're gone. The record's called, you know, and the distance is the one that stuck. Although I remember when I was working with Rachel on it, on the art that I started to have like a, a panic attack and thinking I had to change the name of the record, but I couldn't think of like, but I've, I've gone through every song and it doesn't work. It, it's not going to be tell me tomorrow. That sounds silly. Yeah. And you, you know, can't title after it after the covers. Gone. And you can't do the covers cause that gets all messed up. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but the distance just felt really good. I, I mean, I don't know. I hope it, resonates with people i've said you know i mean i hope that makes sense yeah. i put the song in, in a certain place on the album and that was part of the thing like that's just all my weird sequencing brain you know <laughs> that, that nobody appreciates but it's but it's just like where I, I just enjoy that you know and i'm like what's called the distance and the distance is a third song and then you go to the cleanup song which is you know the batting cleanup but it's yeah. like it's all that weird stuff but yeah so that but that song um it was one of the last songs we recorded and it's one of the ones I've gotten the most feedback about in terms of like 
you know, the words and stuff kind yeah. of like people connecting with it. And which is, like I said, that's a great feeling when, I mean, I'm sorry. Cause they're bummers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice feeling. Well, I, yeah. So, I mean, if even whether you're connecting to hear that, yeah. Whenever you, even if, whether you're connecting with a happy song or a bummed out, you know, a bummer of a song, you're still connecting with people. You know, next you, album is next album is going to be all really happy, uplifting songs. They, so mark mark it's not it's totally not it's, it's gonna be dark it's gonna be darker than this one there you go. <laughs> you're gonna be using uh you know old les paul's down okay. tune down yeah you know it's gonna be really step. low yeah just low rock yeah. <laughs> is there a social media presence for you guys where people can find out uh what you guys are doing uh once yeah, everything's I, freed up a little bit yeah. So there's, um, I, I, I'll throw each one out. You can tell me which one works. So, yeah. um, Facebook is a good one, right? So you can find, you know, Nick Kazernis on, on Facebook. Uh, and that's, um, that's got all the latest and greatest. Okay. Um, we were also on the other ones, you know, I mean, there's the Twitters and the Instagrams, you know, yeah. but, um, but I do think that's a good, really good place. And then I have a site also it's Nick, nickkazernis.com and I keep that updated with, you know, the, the basic information, but the, you know, late breaking stuff ends up on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. And, so, and that's where the, the video will like, we'll promote the new video when it comes out. We'll promote the old video. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do a bunch, we'll do a bunch of stuff like that. You know? Where can people buy the album? How can they find it? So right now you can get it from Bandcamp. Okay. So Bandcamp is like love Bandcamp, right? Yeah. So you go to Bandcamp and search for um, either Adam Records, A-T-O-M, or Nick Kazernis, and you will find it for sure. You can also go to adamrecords.com. Um, and then uh, over spring, it'll get it'll start like the distributor picks it up and it'll start showing up in other places. So, yes, it will be on Spotify. I mean, that'll be coming, you know, very soon. So awesome. Awesome. Well, I've, I've kept you for almost an hour now, man. I Thank you. It's great. It's so great much. to talk with you. Oh, same here. I'm, I'm really glad I, I was able to learn a little bit more about uh, how you came to create this really, really wonderful album. I absolutely love oh, it. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate it. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 